You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. It's a great football team with a lot of moral fiber and a lot of character, and they showed it. Shout a Buffalo football podcast hosted by Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot. No place else you'd rather be than right here, right now. When it's too tough for them, it's just right. Presented by Syracuse.com and NYUP.com. The Bills make me wanna. Bills Mafia, what is going on? It is a brand new week of Bills training camp, and we are back. Mr. Ryan Talbot and Matt Perino, Shout Football Podcast. We are back for our observations from today out at practice in Orchard Park. Ryan, my friend, how are you? Uh, I'm. I was cooking today. Another one. I. It's funny. Like we've we've had a pretty mild summer. Like I haven't remembered a lot of days that have just absolutely, you know, kicked my butt. But I will say the last two days out at practice, it's like, and there's nowhere to find shade. So I'm just out there. And I, I told you I was a little bit late with my observations. because I had to get some lunch because it was, it, it was, I was a little, feeling a little faint. I felt so soft, but uh, it's, it's hot out there. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Doing well here, but you're, you're right. I was outside shooting uh, hoops with my son and I said the same thing. I said, you know, I don't, I don't know if it's these really cool mornings that are like luring me in and making me think we're getting closer to fall. But then like today that. The heat hits you. And it's like summer's still here for a little bit longer. So I, I can definitely relate to the affecting or the effect of the heat today for sure. So, like I mentioned, this is the official podcast of Syracuse.com, New York Upstate, for the, all your Buffalo Bills coverage, analysis, content. Um, and we're on all the podcast platforms. So if you guys could give us a subscription over there, rating and review wherever you get your podcast. If you if you listen to this in audio form, Elliot. Uh, or Andy, I should say, asking about Stefan Diggs. We will definitely get to that. We're going to talk a lot of, about a lot of things from camp today, but I will I will pose the question to you, Ryan. What, what what What's on your mind? What would you like to talk about first here today? You know, I know the big topics, Josh Allen, but I want to talk about the leadership of Stefan Diggs because we saw some clips today. One, where Diggs was talking with Allen and then, he, then Allen delivering a throw to him where after he catches it, like immediately, before he even finishes running his route, he points to Allen and says something encouraging. Uh, we, we saw him talking with Isaiah Hodgins and Hodgins doing some push-ups. So can you talk a little bit about what we're seeing in terms of Stefan Diggs taking on a leadership role here with the Bills? Yeah, and I think this is something that's been brewing. And it's so funny because we go back to some of the off-season um, workout interviews that have popped up you know, after the, the, the offensive group met down in Florida and, you know, people talking about 
you know, his teammates about how Stefan Diggs just shows up to the field to work. And I think that that's, that is something that kind of rubs off on other guys. So you mentioned today, you know, seeing him out on the practice field, doing a little bit of his leadership, uh, the way that he leads and the way that that is, is like just by going out there, being who he is as a player, but also just the open line of communication. That's been something that I've picked up on all summer. And then we heard from Josh Allen today after practice say one of the cool things about him and he gave us a little nugget about like how you know he was able to get on a really uh, uh, build a good relationship with Cole Beasley and John Brown last year. It came down to spending hours in the film room, spending hours in commute, you know, just communicating with each other. What do you like here? What do you like there? And already he says that Stefan Diggs and, and 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 himself have really gotten on the same page. And there's so much room to grow because they're just kind of you know, getting used to being around each other again. Josh Allen was on the uh, Eric Wood podcast. I, I would definitely recommend going and giving that a listen. Shout out to to Eric, who's always been so gracious with us. Uh, go back and listen to his episode on our show. He was really great earlier in the summer, uh, but it was a really good episode and conversation. And one of the things he said is that it's just great to be around the guys again. You know, you, you spend this whole summer where you're all kind of away from each other. Uh, and and not really able to just do something simple like go out to dinner and just you know get to know your teammates and and you see that that's starting to happen now so I think that that might be playing a role in you know Stefan Diggs getting comfortable and a lot of the things that you're starting to see out there now you mentioned I, I think are a, a, a result of that comfort. Oh, absolutely. And then in the comments, they said, what happened to Diggs? I think they're talking about that little scare that we had today. So maybe you can elaborate on that. Well, I think it caught most people off or by surprise, because, you know, for me, I was kind of at the other end of the field and the play happened in the left. Uh, the ball went to the left part of the end zone. I can't even remember now who was the intended target because all eyes shifted to Stefan Diggs, who was down on the ground on the other side of the field in the uh, opposite side of the end zone. And it was Levi Wallace that was kind of looming over him, checking on him. And you saw the training staff immediately run out to him. Uh, it looks like they, they were, you know, you hate to, uh, ever kind of speculate on an injury like in training camp, but it looked like they were working out his one leg. Uh, I was again at the opposite side, so it was tough to see. Cole Beasley made his way down there, and he was down for a good minute, Ryan, where they were working on it. So you, as those seconds pass by, you're kind of sitting there like, man, how serious could this be? Especially you know a couple of days removed from seeing Josh Norman suffer an injury, he you know he left the game. You start thinking about hamstring issue, issues and. And soft tissue injuries, which we've talked about over and over again, is one of the fears that a lot of teams had that guys were going to experience. Um, I think I'm not sure what the injury was, but Lamar Jackson was just kept out of uh, a practice recently. He returned today. Um, but any given day, you could lose a star, and it's it's more prone to it right now. But he pops back up, walks it off on the sideline. He looked uncomfortable, went down there. The last thing I noticed before the next play was him kneeling on the sideline. And then I look back like a player or two later and there's Stefan Diggs catching a ball, running a, a stop route, testing the leg. And he was, he, he practiced the rest of the way. So, you know, honestly, it would have been a, a blip in the radar if we were live tweeting during practice, I think, but it was something that we couldn't really get out there until after the practice was over. And I'm sure Bill's fans were probably like reading a lot of what we were tweeting. We're like, wait a second, what happened to Stefan Diggs? Oh, oh okay. It, it, he was okay. So uh, yeah, definitely a scary moment though. Oh, without, without a doubt, because, you know, if anything were to happen to Diggs, you, you're kind of right back to square one offensively where you were one year ago. Yeah, you'd still have a, a, the rookies here that they drafted both in the running back room and at the wide receiver position. 
I'd uh, like to interrupt you there, though. I don't know necessarily if they'd be back to square one because Mr. Gabriel <laughs> Davis continues the ball. Now, listen, this is practice, man. We're talking about practice, right? Allen Iverson, the, the you know the um, historic quote, uh, you know, what can you really tell from practice? And you know, we've seen in years past. You've talked about it m- many of times covering this team a few years. Um, Brandon O'Reilly is somebody, or Brandon Riley is somebody a couple years ago who who pops as somebody that is so great in the preseason and training camp, but who never really materializes. So you don't want to take too much from what we're seeing right now. But dude, Gabriel Davis is just winning over and over again contested catches there was one play today uh they were doing some one-on-one drills and you know how those are it always is kind of advantageous for the for the receiver stefan Diggs beat uh tredavious white on one where he kind of shook him a little bit got downfield got open and and uh you know i think tredavious white was biting on the first move and and trying to guess but that's neither here nor there there was one play later in 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 the uh drill where Gabe Davis was going one-on-one with Tredavious White. He kind of got a step on him downfield. The ball was put out there where only he can grab it. He makes the catch. And, of course, it's Tredavious White, the experienced corner that he is, tries to get his hand in there and rip it out. And they go to the ground fighting for it, and Tredavious White could not get that ball away from him. He made a couple plays on the on the touchdown drive, which finished in, with an Andre Roberts just absolute butte, which we'll talk about in a little while. But Gabriel Davis... This dude is just, he looks completely comfortable. He can do so many different things. I wish I could tell you about all the places, all the things that he's doing, but I can't, you know, I can't get too much into the weeds there, but just, I will just say he's making an impact. And I think that I've left the first seven practices. Now this was the seventh pad of practice. I've left each day since he returned from injury, more impressed than the day before and what I saw from him. Uh, and that is encouraging. I shouldn't have said back a square one, but but Diggs being the centerpiece of this offense. But you're right. That is encouraging. Real quick, we just got some news from the Bills. Uh, Bills placed cornerback Ike Brown on the reserve slash retired list. So that one kind of came out of nowhere in terms of uh, uh, of that news. But the Bills just sent that out to us. So I thought I'd, I'd get that in there. Live news coming Very through interesting. here. Uh, yeah. I, I'm not sure if... Um, I can't remember if I saw him out there today, 38. I'm trying to, I'm trying to think back. I mean, obviously we were, uh, it's tough when you're trying to pay attention to a lot of uh, things going on there, but no, I didn't see him out there. So that's interesting. It's tough, you know, who knows? And in this environment, you never know, you know, what types of things are impacting guys' decisions on these type of matters. Um, but it'll be interesting as we, as we learn more. Yeah, without a doubt. Now, one return that we had today, and it wasn't uh, due to injury or anything else, was the return of Josh Allen after the, the false positive. Uh, how did he look today out on the field in his return? He was good. And it's tough because there wasn't a lot of splash plays today. You know, it's it's not something where you're going to go out there and watch practice and see, you know, him firing it downfield to John Brown and Stefan Diggs left and right and just beating the secondary. First of all, they're going up against the Bills secondary. So, you know, you got to take that into account. But just very um measured. I thought that a lot of what uh they were running today uh got Cole Beasley and and Isaiah McKenzie involved. Um Isaiah McKenzie continues to look really just powerful. Um but just, you know, after he 
we talked to Josh Allen for for a bit today, and he t- and he said one of the things he said about the whole debacle from over the weekend with all the false positive tests and being forced to sit out practice yesterday is he made a good point. It's it's a day worth of reps that he lost, and so he has he has to make up for that. And I think that he did a good job today. I'm not going to sit here and say that he was great, but I thought that. I thought he was solid. I thought that the, he made some really good throws and some tight windows and, you know, executed in that short, short game where I think that, you know, if you're a Bills fan, that's where you want him to still continue to improve and grow. Um, again, not a lot of downfield stuff, but again, situational football, they were working a lot of different things. Can't get into the weeds there, but, um, I thought that he was good today. He got a bunch of people involved. Dawson Knox had a nice catch. Uh, I think that I just charted, Two, I would place in the category of bad throws from Josh today, um, but overall solid. And, and I think I would take that right now. I mean, I, you want to see some splashy plays from this offense when the, when the regular season gets here. But I think I would I would actually myself personally prefer to see him be able to just move up and down the field, getting little chunks of yards here and there, seven, twelve, fifteen yards. You know, rather than having to to, to depend on that forty yard, fifty yard splash play. I'd like to see him be able to, to sustain drive. So I actually kind of like that, that we're hearing that he was able to kind of put some little things together in that short intermediate game. So I think that's encouraging. Uh, one big topic of conversation today that we heard from a lot of the players and as well as Sean McDermott is the talk about certain stadiums having fans in the crowd versus others not. Sean McDermott was very blunt about it. He came out and he did not like that. Uh, and some of the players even spoke on it. So, you know, what did you get from the players and the coaches today in terms of their their feelings about the fact that they're going to enter some stadiums this year where there's going to be 10, 20,000 fans maybe, and, and others where, especially at home, where they're not going to be able to have the support of the Bills Mafia? Yeah, I think it comes down to competitive equity. You know, and this is something that we talked about going back to the beginning of training camp, you know, when when teams were starting to schedule things out, making sure that nobody's going to get a head start on things. And there was some concern there and it seemed like they were able to execute the opening of training camps across the league pretty seamlessly in that department. So, you know, we got a chance to talk to Micah Hyde today and, you know, he was, you know, basically saying that I I want to see the NFL come together and figure out a plan so everybody is on the same page and maybe can institute a policy where, you know what, if Miami's going to get to have 13,000 fans, then Buffalo can have 13,000 fans. Now, it's going to be tough to navigate those waters because you're going to have to deal with state and city uh, municipalities where you're going to have to come to terms with what's allowed in certain places. Like right now, I was talking to a few people today, and I'm looking at that Miami uh, road opener for the Bills. And they were at the apex. We talked about it on a couple podcasts of, you know, the epicenter, I think was the quote uh, from a, an expert of the pandemic. And the, at, at the height of things, they were dealing with some days as high as 10,000 new cases. I think the most was like, I can't remember what the most was, but I, I was looking back a month ago and, we're, and it was like 10,000 cases a day. They're down to about 3,000 cases a day, but that's still quite a bit. I mean, they're still dealing with the pandemic in a much different way than Western New York and New York state is, you know, in general. So I think that coming um, to terms with uh, what you want to do as a league, you know, we talked about it with, you know, what they dealt with over the last three days, just, you know, putting together a plan if in case we have to deal with this, because we could reach the opener and it still be a situation across the league where 
it doesn't make sense to have fans in the stands league wide. And I think the NFL has to come out and have some type of guidance for teams and cities. Yeah, I agree with that completely. And in the comments, some people saying, do you think we'll eventually have fans? Uh, why is it that some places can have it? Or why can't we have fans if our numbers are low? Is it a final decision? You know, I don't think it's a final decision necessarily. I think things could change as the season progresses here with the Bills itself, possibly. I, I want to say that the door's open. Um, but, you know, it, you, you're right. When you compare the numbers here in, in Western New York to that in Miami, it is a completely different ball game. So you'd think there'd be some wiggle room there. But, you know, that's obviously well above our pay grade in terms of figuring out whether or not fans will be in the stands. Elliot also, it's Tim Horton's cold brew. It's delicious. Highly recommend it. Um, <laughs> so no Duncan here, not a Duncan guy. Um, but, yeah, so I, I don't think at the end of the day, the NFL is quite sure where every team is going to be when it comes to fans between now and the end of the regular season or middle of the season. Is this going to be one of those things that you have to take on a week to week basis, but week two, Miami having 13,000 fans that, yeah, that could be a big competitive advantage for Miami. Now, you know, I don't want to knock the Dolphins fans too much, but it's not exactly loud there in Miami. I think the most recent years I've heard Bills fans over Miami. So We'll, we'll wait and see on that. Uh, Matt, you know, going into the comments, because we I know we like to j drive it towards the people that are supporting us, who we greatly support. Two players that have come up in names here, Mike Love and Christian Wade. Have you noticed either from either or anything from either player? I didn't notice Christian Wade today, other than the fact that he wasn't on the practice field. He suffered a quad injury, uh, which... You know, probably figures to really hurt him as he tries to make a a, a bid uh, to make this roster as um, unlikely as I think that that still is, and we've talked about this a little bit. Um, but in terms, uh, who is the other name? Uh, Mike Love. Mike Love. I've tried to be. I've tried to watch for for some of those guys. It's been really tough on these days when we're on the uh, at the practice facility instead of the stadium because we're just on that back line, and you got to really peer through um a line of of guys so i haven't really noticed too much from mike love but i think just you know without a chance of, of being able to ask leslie about it i think the fact that he's going through the drills um he looks healthy he looks bigger he looks to be completely recovered so in that sense i could give you that update but in terms of how he's been playing it's been tough uh, another guy that i've seen pop up in the comments a few times has been trey adams and i thought today was the first day where I really noticed him, and it was for probably not the reason you'd hope. And he just looked to be a little bit overmatched in the reps that I I really zeroed in on him. Uh, nobody in particular uh, that you know going up against him where I, I thought was noteworthy, but just where he seemed to be a little bit sluggish, a step behind, uh, just struggling to keep up with the speed. I think of the game, and I wonder how much um, that may have impacted his drop in the in the draft or not being drafted i know that people thought if healthy he could have been even as high as a you know uh second round pick i think i read it at some point before the injury so uh not a great day for him today uh and and again trey adams a guy like that mike love as good as he was in camp last year before the injury they have real uphill battles to try to make this roster they're they're those two position groups are really good like and you know the offensive line, just from the perspective of all of the years of experience, I mean, you look at a guy like Daryl Williams and he's somebody I touted 
going into this this thing. Like I think people were sleeping on him a little bit. This is a guy that had the Bills don't don't sign guys unless they have a specific plan for them and how to utilize them. And I just think the high end ability that Daryl Williams flashed in 2017, and I know the injury is probably a bit of a concern in some of the tape that he put out there last year, but I think with the right plan, whatever that ends up being for Daryl Williams, he's looked solid. He's looked like a guy that, you know, should compete for a starting spot where that ends up being. I don't know, but he's looked whenever I've noticed him on the field. He's looked really good. Yeah, and just really quick, going back to Mike Love, and I obviously don't have any intel on what the Bills are going to do with that 16-man practice squad, but he's one of those players where maybe no news is good news because they liked him last year. They liked what they saw out of him. Maybe the fact that he's not flashing, he hasn't been the talk uh, of training camp, could help them in terms of if they're really interested in developing this guy. He could be one of those players that they can get onto the practice squad without having to worry about it, where Daryl Johnson, for instance, you know, maybe – he he wouldn't be someone because there's been a little more talk about him. He he played a little bit more last year, obviously as a rookie. So there's some there's some film on him as well. Uh, so you know, Mike Love, he, you're right, uphill battle to make this roster, but still a young guy in his career that they might be trying to develop and bring along slowly. Uh, one more defensive end question. Then there's a lot of cornerback chatter here. Trent Murphy. Someone said, how is he looking? Because there's been talk about. Can we justify or can the Bills justify keeping that contract on the books with that $175 million salary cap coming up in 2021? He's been good, Ryan. He's been he's been what you expect him to be. When he's out on the field, he looks like he knows what he's doing. Uh, he's made a couple plays today. He, uh, he who's rushing um, uh, on, a, on a bit of a speed rush and got his hands up, deflected a ball down to the down to the turf uh, on a ball from Josh Allen. So He's, he's been what he has been and, and he shows up and, you know, where he's playing and when he's playing again, I can't, <laughs> I can't talk about, nice. which, but you know, I, I think that it's going to be a real tough call and it's going to come down to, do you feel comfortable with those two young guys and Daryl Johnson and AJ Epinesa um, to fill the void that would be left by Trent Murphy? Because I still think he really figures into things. Um, I'll be interested to see, like I could pontificate more on the, um, how they'll use all of the defensive ends. Once we get past the 53 man uh, roster um, cut down. But I do think that there's so many different possibilities that, and so many different like players that can make an impact to make up for Trent Murphy's loss. I still think it makes sense for the bills to move on from a financial purpose. But I just think that he does so many things well. And I think that the institutional knowledge, when you do make the decision to cut him, it's going to be a tough one for them because it's like, man, we've spent, he spent two years and now into his third year in the system. He knows Leslie Frazier, Leslie Frazier knows, you know, his strengths. And, uh, but uh, again, on the other flip side of that coin, Eric Washington, this is a whole new defensive line unit. And it seems to be from everything we're hearing out of one bill's drive. We heard it from Sean McDermott today. There's a real emphasis put on the pass rushing side of things by Eric Washington. So being that it's a new group, I could see that, you know, maybe Trent Murphy uh, moving on from him wouldn't be the, the hardest thing to deal with. Yeah. You know, he sets the edge. Well, he actually was really high up there on the team in terms of pressure last year, five sacks in four games, including the playoff game. So he came on late in the year, but you're right. There's so much talent. There's so much versatility there uh, that that I could see them parting ways with him. And, you know, another player who actually has been getting a lot of 
love, in my opinion at least, that I've seen is Brian Cox Jr., a guy that has some experience uh, with Eric Washington from their time in Carolina. But I do want to quickly flip over here to the secondary. Someone said, you know, Ike Brown has now retired. Josh Norman, there's, we're still not really sure about him. Sean McDermott said today something about we'll know more in probably the next five days. With those two players, you know, being out, Brown being, you know, on the retired list now, one, how is Cam Lewis looking? How is Dane Jackson looking? But two, do you think maybe now the Bills might actually speed up that process of bringing in some cornerbacks for workouts? Because Norman, yeah, at least maybe five days until we know where he's at health-wise. And now Brown, another depth guy, is out of the equation. Brandon Bean yesterday said that they are not currently in any rush to to go out and find a cornerback. If you remember, they brought in Akeem King uh, earlier in camp, and they ended up moving on from him pretty quickly. Uh, I think that without getting into where they're playing and how they're playing or in, in, in like where they're lining up, I think that Cam Lewis is somebody that is a, a wild card even before all these injuries. And we've talked about it, a guy that can probably make this roster based on what he already knows about this scheme and where his fit potentially is in that. And with Saran Neal, he's somebody that he could do so many things. I mean, he played three positions last year. I mean, starting in training camp all the way through. So I think that their thought process is, and then another guy that we could talk about, Taron Johnson, who's just absolutely on fire today. Like I thought every time I know, every time he was involved in something, he was making a play or somebody was struggling in, 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 a, in a battle with him. And so whether it be one-on-ones or 11 on 11. So they're so strong in their secondary that, yeah, a couple injuries here and there, Ike Brown uh, maybe retiring here could put a damper on their depth, if you will, but they believe in guys to switch things up and, and play other spots. But the more guys you ask to do that, the less guys you have behind them. So that's, you know, so, so that's the question. And Brandon Bean said they're, they're open to scheduling workouts so they can at least get a guy into the building, take a look at him, and, and maybe figure out if, if we do need to make a move at some point, we have a kind of a almost like a rolling Rolodex of guys that we'd be open to bringing in. So I think that it's almost like a wait and see because they all, Brandon also said, we don't want to take away reps from a lot of these guys that are getting a lot of reps. It, you know, it, it with, you know, Josh Norman goes out, Levi Wallace, you know, just by the, you know, sheer numbers, you know, that was his main competition. He's probably going to get more, uh, more work. So, um, I think from that perspective, they just want to be patient and they have time to be patient because they don't really need to make a move um, until you know we get up against it here when the games are going to start. Uh, but it's the cornerback thing is interesting. It's always interesting to me how comfortable they seem when the numbers dwindle. Yeah, absolutely. And I love what you said about Lewis being a, a wild card of sorts because th there's always one or two players that are those wild cards that make it through and roster and kind of fly under the radar in terms of attention. Last year was Ike Botker uh, or Butker. So this year, you know, it could very well be Lewis, who knows the system entering year two. A little bit of a kicker talk now in the chat. Someone said, do you think you could uh, sneak Hauschka to the practice squad? I'm going to answer that one, but you cannot. Teams are looking for kickers all the time. And even if he somehow loses this job with the Bills, he would get claimed so quickly that uh, by so many teams would probably put in a claim on him. And then obviously the lowest uh, seed there, the lo lowest man on the totem pole 
in terms of record last year would end up getting him. But no, Hauschka is not a guy that you could get on the practice squad. I don't think Bass is a guy you can get on the practice squad. I hate to be that guy, but I'm starting to waver back and forth on whether or not you can keep two kickers. I don't think you can, but it wouldn't shock me if the Bills figured out or, or made a way to do it. But talk a little bit about what we saw from uh, Stephen Hauschka today. Hausch money returned to the building uh, five for five. And then I believe he hit another one uh, might've been like a 30 to 40 yarder uh, at the end of uh, uh, 11 on 11 drill. Uh, so I think he was six for six on the day, hit his only 50 plus yarder, 54 yarder. That would have been good from maybe maximum 55. It just crept over the, the bar there, but a huge day for Hausch on a day where, uh, yesterday where Tyler Bass missed his 250 yarders, where that's where he's supposed to be strongest. Um, so I think Hauschka, if you were asking me where things stand, we, we go back to last week and the two misses, um, or I think I believe it was three misses by Hauschka from 50, um, really put him, I think, Bass in the driver's seat where I feel like they've now evened out again. And we're, we're, we almost have a, a brand new competition starting at the beginning again. And it's going to be a big day Thursday when, you know, Sean McDermott said it's going to be like a game. So I'm wondering, like, you know, they, they even to the point where he think he wants to try to do like a halftime. And so guys like rookies and guys like Stefan Diggs, who are new to the to playing in the locker room and being on this team, they, they get a sense of comfort going through, you know, a game day environment. Uh, so we'll see how that progresses and see if, you know, somebody can make a, a significant case for themselves, I believe, on Thursday. Punter note. Uh, it was just Corey Bajorquez today, but he was, he had a couple punts where he was just outstanding. Like it, it's, it's typical Bajorquez coming at you with the absolutely uh, superb few punts and a couple that just kind of leave you like, eh, you know, and there was a couple early on, but then uh, my buddy Joe Biscalia had his uh, stopwatch out. One of the kicks went over five, uh, five seconds in hang time. And it was uh picture perfect kick down to the one yard line uh the gunner got down there was able to uh down it at the one so it was a big day for Bajorquez coming off of uh uh Edwards I still can't pronounce his first name you're gonna have to do it for me Ryan <laughs> Lachlan yeah Lock. I want to call him Lashlin every time I don't know why and when I want to say Lashlin then I I mess it up even more in my head <laughs> but here's another thing I've also done I after watching him kick the other day on his first day, I almost don't see the point in learning his name because I think that Bohorquez is going to end up winning this job. Uh, so, which is disappointing because I saw the replacements meme going out around there, and he is almost like an identical twin to the kicker from the replacements. And if you have not yes. seen that movie, how dare you call yourself a football fan? Um, but so, yeah, Taiwan Jones, I see that in the comments here. We'll do give him a little update on him. Uh, Josh Norman missed again. Um, little. Bit on him. Sean McDermott said the next five days are going to be really important as he tries to get treatment and maybe get things under control with that uh, with that hamstring. Taiwan Jones, we did get confirmation it was a knee injury. Uh, we'll see how long that he's kept out of practice and again weighed with the weighed with the quad. Yeah, so you know a little, little bit of uh, injury issues here and there, but that seems to be happening across the league. Like you said, a lot of soft tissue issues going on. Um, all things considered, you know, it's kind of like a wait and see, at least for these Bills players. Could be a lot worse based on some of the things that we've seen uh, across the league for sure. For sure. All right, ladies and gentlemen, this has been 30 minutes of the Shout Buffalo Football Podcast. I don't know what it is, Ryan. I'm, I'm not feeling it today. Like, I think the sun just took it out <laughs> of me. I hope I wasn't too... Uh, 
uh, I hope I didn't lack uh, the the usual spunk and energy that we like to bring to the show, but I just um, I'm feeling I'm going to go like have a cup of coffee or something, maybe lay down for a little while. I don't know. I'm just, I feel like such a baby, but uh, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, we have really enjoyed uh, bringing you guys these daily camp observation podcast. They're going to continue. We're going to have one tomorrow and then we're going to have a big one on Thursday after the scrimmage. Uh, maybe get a real, a real solid look and feeling on, on, on what this team looked like where they're at in this process. That's one of the things we asked Josh about too today is like, you know, how I think it was Mookie Hawkins, my man, shout out, uh, Wolfo sports over there. Uh, always asking great questions, keeping everybody entertained on these calls that can be a little bit boring at times, but I feel like Mookie brings the energy always. And he asked him like, how crisp is the offense right now? And, and Josh said, listen, we like the way that, you know, our pace has been in practice, Brian Dable, the way that he's instituted the, or installed the offense. So, Great stuff, uh, as always, uh, from you guys in the comments. Shout a Buffalo football podcast. Search it on all your uh, podcast app platforms. Subscribe, rate, review. We really appreciate it. Uh, and we will see you next time. My man, Ryan, have yourself a great Monday. Hey, you too.